0: Hi, Jeremy. Hi, Rafael. Um, Happy to see you again. Well, you can't see me, but hear yeah, me anyway. Happy to hear you again. I
1: just <laughs> saw you. You're back uh, uh, stateside?
0: Yeah. Was I gone? Yeah, I was gone. Yeah, I'm here. Mm-hmm. I'm at home.
1: Last, and, week, last week, you were in the Netherlands with a poor quality audio connection.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I accidentally... I don't know how it happened, but I in the mic settings, I... I, it was the laptop mic instead of the. I had the 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 real mic in front of me, the big mic. And mm-hmm. Recorded on the laptop, and then the laptop also records your voice, so I had to cut that out. So you might hear a little weird echo sometimes, and blah blah. Uh, blah. I was. Oh, hopefully, yeah. it's okay now.
1: Yeah. I was incredibly happy about the whole experience <laughs> because <laughs> and, and, it's it's always me making mistakes with the audio, so yeah, it was like it was like ah yes.
0: I, I wanted to address something. Um, about politics, because I'm always trying to avoid politics on the podcast. Because there's plenty of politics, you know. That's basically my main motivation. There's enough of that already. So, mm-hmm. but whenever we talk, and your position is always um, giving everyone a chance and making sure uh, women are represented fairly and minorities, and uh, that artists make a decent living wage and etc. Uh, etc. Cetera, et cetera. And it's always my position to have a conversation and then to react and then often when you react it's more interesting to disagree.
1: Yeah, yeah, you're, yeah, you play devil's advocate a lot of the time.
0: Yeah, and then it might be that listeners think that, oh, okay, well, his position is further to the right and then I spoke to some people at different openings where they started complaining that exhibitions are too PC, too politically correct and you have to be a lesbian to get an exhibition nowadays or whatever and I was like, whoa, and then I'll take the the opposite position where it's like oh did you look at the statistics cuz it's still 70 to 80% white men so uh, there's nothing to worry about for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but no, it, it, it's funny whoever I'm talking to if I'll talk to someone who is a a libertarian I'm like I don't think that society is going to work. Like, mm-hmm. uh, I think we need to support disabled people and have education equally and yeah. Yeah. So, and um, basically, there's a lot of things I don't know, but then there's really fundamental things that. Uh, I also think it's you know, like
1: be- a it's a misread of your position. Like I was on an art panel yesterday, and it was um, it was uh, for like about VR, and I kept wanting to bring VR back to the identity political identity politic issues, <laughs> and but like really another artist was there who was like not from new media, and who. Um, was trying to just make work about his sentiments towards Buddhism and stuff. His, in a way, his work was like beyond my, my argument, because it was like, it was, he was like, well, I don't want to ground my work in the, um, in the self, in the the self. Yeah. So, um, there were points that, which I felt guilty for like, you know, at times overindulging identity politics. And I think one of the nice things that you do on this podcast is remind, our listeners that there are other pos- there are positions outside yeah, and it, of uh, it,
0: it i just that. And it's it's funny they, they, they say this thing uh, white silence is violence and slogans like that mm-hmm. um but oh, I, does, I haven't heard that
1: one yet but i like it yeah.
0: <laughs> but it's funny it, it, i mean again and again uh, i mentioned like if if an artist is supposed to take a political stand, like, are you still an artist
1: yeah, I mean I just I have always made work this way because I'm a so, I was a sociologist or I studied sociology. So it's very hard. Like when I, when people talk about a, you know, a, a frame around the work, for me the frame is always social. And so it's very I I have yeah. said to you before it's yeah. like very hard for me not to see that social frame. And it's just like it yeah, would but, be like
0: Yeah, but but which part of you uh, acknowledges that art is is this sort of artistic uh, not artistic, but artistic, like you're really in your own zone and you're free from response. Because politics and uh, social concerns, to me, are responsibility. So Mm. can you be an artist if you're responsible?
1: I think because of my background in sociology, I know that society is fungible. That is to say, like, it could change and it can be changed by...
0: I understand that, uh, but at what point there's a scale of, like... Your social responsible side and the fun exploration. Mm. Uh, oh, that's
1: great! <clears throat> yeah, well, I I just find it really fun. In fact, it's funny because okay. at this this week and this isn't our topic this week, but it, maybe it'll lead to it uh, this week at work. No, no,
0: no, I'm not phrasing it right. But like the the, the, mm-hmm. the side of of social responsibility is also very much tied to communicating and maybe <clears throat> yeah. there's a there's a. There's a difference between a social worker and an artistic social worker, and like there's a balance mm-hmm. there. So the artistic social worker sometimes doesn't make sense because there's the art side, which is more poetic and metaphysical and dreamy. And so, is is there a conflict there?
1: Yeah, I think there can be. Like where I was going to go is like I get a, a selfish. Um Kind of satisfaction, or like I get very excited around issues of um, social justice, and therefore also social indu- uh, injustice. Because I'll be like, it'll just get like really pump me up, and I'll be like, yes, there's something to work on here. Uh, what I was going to say is, at work, I'm working on those issues, and at times, I've stopped myself at the end of the day, being like, Jeremy, like, why are you more excited? to Found out there's like there are problems, social problems at work, right? Like I shouldn't be excited by that; I should be depressed, right? But as a designer, I've always been trained uh, to solve problems. Like that's what you're, tra- you know, you're looking for problems all the time. And so when you find a problem or when a test fails or whenever there's failure, you get very excited because you f- you feel like, ah, there's, you have this natural impulse that that, that means there's a correction, which is also a bad uh, impulse, <laughs> right? Like that I would want to correct it because I can't possibly uh, correct it. I can only sort of uh, help. Anyway, I often I'm conflicted just like you're talking about because like, should I? I I get I I am not the victim of that failure, right? I'm al- mm-hmm. I'm always in a position of privilege, and so for me to be excited about other people's um, there's kind of like a, a tourism. Have you ever heard this term like social justice yeah. tourism? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Big, well, I'm I'm from Brazil. There's there's the literal tourism to slums where you could take a bus and like go there.
1: Yeah. And so that actually I, is I, that something that's always tears a big
0: turnoff to me. It's like, "Oh, should I be more conscious of people's poverty and like go peek it over there yeah. and talk to them?" Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I yeah, so I think that that, you know, if you're going to like if you're going to like shoot me <laughs> down, it would be for that. It would be under that argument. And it, and it's really just well, because Well, th- th- then we of my get crowd. into
0: this bizarre world where poor people vote against their own interests and Wealthy yeah. people will vote for tax increases, which would hurt them. Or, or, whatever. But anyway. We wanted to that, talk about web design. Well, I, I, I just wanted to address that. My, my point of view is not either. The, yeah. But uh, we wanted to talk about web design.
1: Yeah. I mean, good, the segue into it is like nothing's easy <laughs> except web design. <laughs> yeah.
0: I, uh, I, I, I was working on the... So the BYOB website existed since 2010. Mm-hmm. BYOB was this uh, uh, mode of exhibitions that I started. Uh, and the, the, it's, it's a manual, it's an algorithm, and the algorithm goes, uh, find a space, invite many artists, and ask them to bring their projector. So mm-hmm. that's the algorithm. And the website was a, an archive of all the BYOBs that happened. Right. Uh, but it was Tumblr-based. So I had an admin role, and someone else who helped archive it had an admin role, and the rest was listed as contributors. Mm-hmm. So everybody posted stuff and it was yeah. fine for seven years.
1: I posted once or twice, yeah. actually.
0: Yeah. So anyone who did a BYOB or most people who did a BYOB listed it there. And I think we we counted about 290 instances of BYOB. Wow. And so there's always this saying of like open source or running your own platform or just using other platforms. And now for some reason, the account got deleted and I emailed support to Tumblr and the account is gone, and they didn't reply. I think mm. it's a big mess over Tumblr anyways. So. Must have been
1: Marissa Mayer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she's she's to blame yeah. for everything.
0: And so I now think. I, I um, made a flat web page. We still have to reroute the domain name. And so the, the website will just be the instruction. It won't be the archive. And uh, uh, I think it's fine. It's just such a chaotic living entity that it's really hard to document anyways. And uh, But... All that being said, I was making a web page again, which I hadn't done in a long time. It was mm-hmm. kind of
1: fun. Okay, and what was fun about it? What were you using? Were you just doing it from I scratch? Dreamweaver, I've, and that's no, what, what I've been using. <laughs> it's that's what Weaver, I've been using please. since. Uh, <laughs> it,
0: it was just I like that feeling. You have the page, and then you set the margins, you set the background color, you set the link color. You just it,
1: had, I just like flashed back like ten years. <laughs> yeah, maybe even this twenty is like, years. There's like a certain kind of like. Uh, Techno chauvinism around web design because <laughs> it'd be like. No, but
0: I just love this, and that was the basic why I love the web so much. Is yeah, you have this really simple document, and you make some text adjustments, or you might find a script, or you might find the fav icon, and you keep mm-hmm. hitting refresh. Yeah, and it's so different from other materials. Like if you make a book, you have three months of working on the book, and then you get the result, and the mm-hmm. the, the process and the result are completely separated. And yeah. then the web is this malleable. Material that you're constantly it's like oh there's a little mistake there oh wait this line break is weird oh uh, yeah. let me put a little text there oh uh, let's make it ten percent bigger and you can keep changing it and changing it. I think it's very I don't know other examples of, of publication where you can keep changing things.
1: Uh, yeah, well, I was also like it's funny though just even in your tool choice, you know, that you chose Dreamweaver because the reason I said that there's like a certain pu- like impurity around that decision. Or techno show, as I put it, like there's like people would be like dis- certain people would be disgusted that you use Dreamweaver, right? Yeah, but also um, a big
0: a big part of the internet was that there was all these shitty tools that made shitty code, and that makes the web fun. That it's not just purists who do. everything No, no, no I, it
1: I I hundred percent agree with you. And I was having a conversation this like GeoCities
0: probably had really messy code.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, the purity of the code. It's maybe, so funny. maybe we
0: have to explain a little bit that. Uh, A pure way of coding is having a text editor and you know all the tags and you you write everything purely and clean. And another way, an example, Adobe and all these other softwares had different uh, visual tools. Like Word even has a tool to make HTML pages and it creates really messy code. Oh, God, yeah. A link could be... like. Forty lines of JavaScript to address different kinds of browsers and exceptions it, yeah, the like, most simple thing could generate forty or two hundred lines of code
1: yeah it's automated or generated, and that was like at the early sort of the dawn of the internet, like yeah, there was a race to just make it <clears throat> possible to publish anything on the internet, and so I guess every desktop software tool allowed yeah. you to export for the internet
0: but the, um, so the original web page was uh, basically a text file with a few added features. But it was really, the the web really started around text documents. Mm -hmm. And then if you, if you now, if you go to Gmail or Google spreadsheets and you try to look at the source code, uh, good luck. Yeah. I'm I'm just, I'm just trying to stretch like how far uh, where, where we are now. And well, that's because we ask of the
1: web, the web uses frameworks now mostly. Right. So like Gmail or, you know, like, there are different frameworks like Angular or Bootstrap and, and, or and to
0: explain that a little bit, what a framework is, it's... Uh, well, that's Im- a JavaScript framework, so... Yeah, but the, it, uh, really to to break it down for a three-year-old. So the, the web it was text documents, and then JavaScript came along so you could add more rich interaction, and... Uh, yeah, how, more how would like you describe app? JavaScript to a three-year-old?
1: Uh, it's like yeah it's it's not java i can tell you that much it's a scripting language but it basically it makes yeah like rich interactions possible is, would a 3 year old understand that well so, let, like,
0: let's put it this way the basic interaction model of html is links so y- let's say and, you have and a static home static
1: text and static tags style tags yeah text.
0: so so you have a home page and you mm-hmm. can link to the photo page and the contact page and Oh, sure. the, the link is, is the basic fundament of that. Oh, that's true. There's nothing yeah.
1: really beyond that except an image link. Yeah. yeah.
0: But in JavaScript, you could do things like, oh, if you roll over this word, an image shows up. Or uh, with JavaScript, you could animate an image that's bouncing around on top yeah. of. Or you could do something like there's a form, which is still basic HTML, but it could autocorrect you typing something and saying like, oh, this email address is not a complete email address. Mm -hmm. And as things evolved from there, then you're at at a point where you compose an email in Gmail and it keeps saving the drafts and you Mm -hmm. can resize it. And what JavaScript did is it made the web more like a desktop application or like a native application.
1: Yeah. And I think there was also a lot of pressure to replace Flash, which was inefficient. And JavaScript is a little bit more efficient and could run on mobile browsers uh, more efficiently. But there are and, uh,
0: purists who, who think JavaScript is dangerous and gives too much opportunity for the, the, the browser to take over your computer.
1: Yeah, and I mean, don't forget the HTML5 and CSS3, like modern versions of H- flavors of HTML, which run in all browsers now, they allow more interactivity than just the link. And so there's kind of a blurry line, uh, but not nearly as much yeah. interactivity as and JavaScript then- proved
0: when i when i started uh with internet art there was still a whole legacy of of uh, net art purists who wanted to stay as close as possible to the original intent of uh, uh, what the what html was mm-hmm. so a lot of net art before 99 still they they might use the blink tag because that was a typical inside joke of it only mm-hmm. worked in certain browsers and it was a very and it was not supported later, so then you can have a whole body of work based on the blink tag, and mm-hmm. and, and I always felt like that that approach to net art was not universal. It's really hard for a lot of people to understand why that's funny.
1: Mm-hmm. Also, like even among the artists, though the code base or the language was simple enough that anyone could learn it in a yeah, reasonable period of that, time. And
0: I always think that's an <clears throat> interesting historical point. The same, the, the beginning of animation where you can really. When you see the animation, you still feel that it's hand-drawn and you can feel the process. And then mm-hmm. early web sort of has that homemade feel.
1: Oh, yeah. I was, I was kind of looking through some old uh, work stuff. That's maybe what week. I
0: mean with Gmail, where it, 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 it's almost like the operating system. It's just so hard to grasp what's going on because it does so much.
1: Yeah, but then I think even starting in the mid 2000s with Web 2.0, like the idea of a single aesthetic for all websites starts to emerge. Like there are some. Where, where like,
0: did that idea emerge?
1: It just came out of a like. There's this Web 2.0 style, and it was like. Is, a, is it the
0: wind tunnel effect where cars just start to look more and more alike because of the wind? Tunnel? Yeah,
1: that's a great way of putting it. What it started to become was about optimizations for conversion. And so there are a bunch of books uh, that came out near the end of the 90s and then into the 2000s, like one that was a Bible that I was given was called Call to Action. Um, But then there's like Steve Krug's Don't Make Me Think and all these books that kind of came along and said, like, if you want your users to convert well, that is to get through the funnel of your sales funnel uh, to use your product or website. Then you need to follow these rules, and there, and and of course now we know that there are tons of blogs that are like do this, then do that,
0: mm. oh, and and it's it's kind of like a, the web is a one giant organism that keeps mutating in different areas, and then, the the other cells follow if the mutation is successful.
1: Yeah, that's what that, I witnessed this firsthand when I started working. I guess not until I wasn't working in tech until two thousand and ten, but as soon as I started working at FreshBooks, it was like. Um, we would there was like we would notice competitors copy the website like exactly as we had ours like almost you know even yeah. the copywriting and stuff it's as a shortcut and, and a,
0: a big part of that is as the web was more populated as there were more users you got into this really um, I, i'm tra- i'm just thinking out loud now but i think it's unprecedented the level of measuring that you can do on the web because you could run TV ads and see mm-hmm. how well people responded, but there was, there's a delay. But with the mm-hmm. web, you can really constantly adjust the machine in different regions for different periods of time and see, like, if, if this me- website looks like this at 8 p.m., do people buy more? Mm-hmm. If this website looks like this in North America or in Europe or in Asia and you try different versions, will yep. people click more? Will they stay longer? It, and it, it, it's, it's so scientific compared to any medium before.
1: Yeah, like there's no print, uh, there's no poster that's like changing itself uh, on, a, on an hourly basis. Yeah, license. and
0: there's no delay. Like you can mm-hmm. measure the effects of different posters. You could run different posters in different areas. That's but true. It's really hard to measure.
1: Um, no, that's very true. So the measurement, the but, scientific but measurement the parts built in. Yeah,
0: so, so, uh, as far as I know, it's unprecedented how um, scientific that is.
1: Well, and I think that all of that affects, I mean, in technology companies. I don't know. Here's my question, though, because I've talked about this before. Of course, there's A B testing, there's multivariant testing. Now there's like cluster analysis, there's like AI being applied to all this, blah, blah, blah. I could go on. And it's like websites are designing themselves, et cetera. But,
0: well, to give an example, of, what, is, of, what of, are average of Machine people learning. Doing? Like yeah. they, they ran a, an algorithm on YouTube for the recommendations to make people watch longer. And yeah. the algorithm figured out by itself, nobody came up with this idea, and it sounds pretty obvious, to show shorter search results, shorter videos on mobile, medium-length videos on a desktop, and long videos on a set-top box on, in the living room. Yeah. And it figured that out by listening to the user and seeing what works. Nobody, it, it sounds so obvious. Of course, on mobile, you're going to show short clips, but the machine well, yeah, they figured st- that out itself.
1: Yeah, that was a suggestion that it made based on um, like yeah all the data that they were just they started feeding in uh, data into an unstructured model like and 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 that was one of the patterns it uncovered, and then they optimized around that pattern. Um, The one interesting thing is they could have gone and talked to people and probably figured that out pretty quickly too. They could have talked to a bunch of people. My question is though, like whether that those decisions are affecting. Individuals. This is where I think it's interesting for our listeners, because like the artist website, or even just like if you're out there and you're like a human being and you want to take part in the internet, some people might argue that it's impossible for you to compete or to be a part of it or to work outside of the platforms that exist. And I want, but I wonder whether that's true, because you just mentioned you're writing and you're creating a new website for BYOB. I create websites all the time, um, but I I use well a lot of the
0: articles that people share on social media are on different domains then on the not everything is native content to the social platforms Mm -hmm. someone might share a new york times article or like a weird uh outsider web blog or
1: but like what are artists creating their websites in uh these days like what's the are they using wix.com or something like that which by the way is i I found out recently really they're going after the flexibility that you crave like when you're talking about dreamweaver um Wix is like trying to serve that market. So if you get into Wix, it's very different from Squarespace because it lets you do whatever you want. Like even if you want to mm. make it look bad, and they're marketing it that way now, too, which most people <laughs> used to us laugh a at a website. Yeah, exactly. Because most people used to laugh at Wix for that reason. Like, oh my god, like you could make it look terrible. Um, because it's Squarespace like has these beautiful templates and stuff. Yeah,
0: right? yeah. Maybe without getting too technical, we can look at different eras of web design, and like MySpace is definitely an era. It was like a resurgence of the GeoCities vibe. But what's
1: interesting about that is MySpace was the corporate kind of larger figure, and it was influenced by what was happening, like you said, in GeoCities, which would have been like DIY or user-generated content. And then MySpace made it possible to change the interface of their website, right? Yeah. Well, basically, we're
0: we're talking about um, streamlining versus expression. so. When you think of the web, it was set up as a very simple protocol, so it runs fast. And GeoCities mm-hmm. came along, and people would put way too much unnecessary content to express their personality. So
1: Unnecessary by your definition.
0: Exactly. Well, but but it's, it's an expression of their individuality, and therefore mm-hmm. it communicates more than any essay or whatever text they would write. But I'm sure the original designers of the HTML protocol were like, oh, that's not what we thought of but I guess it's fine. And then uh, MySpace came along and sort of embraced customization so you could embed glitter fonts and YouTube clips and self-playing Flash games and you could make a page almost crash, which a mm-hmm. lot of people did because they're like, I am crazy, so my MySpace page is crazy. <laughs> um, and then Facebook came along and it's more standardized. So there's a, a little box for your favorite movies and a little box for your favorite uh, books and mm-hmm you could find friends that way and you can upload photos but only a certain size and they on everyone's page they show at the same size and so when Mm -hmm. MySpace came along and when Facebook came along I'm like this is so boring it's not going to be successful but it was successful because it was so streamlined same with Wikipedia it's very
1: yeah, well, I think the pendulum's swinging the other way. Like, you might have noticed on Facebook now, you can, like, set the color. I, I'm not uh, on, the back, anymore, uh, yeah. on on the So on the background of your posts, you can have, like, different gradients, or you can choose patterns or change the color. You, there's, like, a little bit of HTML editing. You can choose, you know, now you can choose your expression. Yeah. It's even interesting with apples and emoji. It's like, oh, yeah, like, don't use the standard an- emoji. Like, use these animated versions. So, but I've also noticed just a general swing back towards customization Okay. And one one of one of the more recent examples I think um was our friends at Kickstarter launched a new version of um, their software that's like a little bit like um like a subscription model and they're calling it drip uh, and what's interesting about like so it's like patreon for our listeners that are familiar with patreon it's like you know, every month your subscribers get a certain amount. And Raphael actually, him and I, we, we both considered whether we wanted to participate in this thing called Drip. But it was interesting talking to, because um, we had an opportunity to be part of the beta. But it was interesting when we were talking to the people at uh, Kickstarter responsible for it. They were saying, like, we're really working hard to make sure that it's not about the Drip brand. It's about the user's brand, right? Like the creator's brand, and we want to offer a lot of customization over how they manage their page, which but it just reminded me like a flashback to MySpace. Um, and because a lot of these websites took away the brands of, um, of their users yeah. in exchange for their own,
0: but the, the exchange is funny because um, uh, people often criticize Instagram and, and uh, Facebook for being too addictive and being too much about vanity,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but I find myself if someone mentions an artist quickly, and I used to Google image search would be the fastest way to see what that artist, just superficially to think like, okay, is this a figurative painter or is this a a, a non-monumental sculpture? Just quickly to see, like refresh your memory. Ah, yeah, what's that person? And because um, Instagram is so pure, you can only post images and tag them. And if you tag them intentionally, you know the image is really... That's the image you're looking for, especially mm-hmm. with artist names. It's just so fast when things are so uniform, when the, when the design is so far in the background or so strict.
1: Well, what you're talking about, though, is like the utility of the Internet. Like there's a it's yeah. almost acting like utility, like wa- it's like water power. Yeah, image exactly. Search. And,
0: and, <laughs> and when you open the hot water faucet, you want hot water and yeah the cold and you can mix them a little bit, but those are it's pretty binary it's pretty the problem
1: with that is it it's pure content without any kind of differentiation yeah so you can't um,
0: show interactive content in a Facebook post not really right. there can be a play button but in that's always what what's bothered me with a lot of platforms and what I liked about the web is that uh, you can make uh, media that are not listening to the rules of like is this a movie clip Mm -hmm. is this an audio file it's like no this is something completely different and it's funny because a a a computer ago i was working on a computer can do so much more than play videos no
1: no you're right a few years ago i was working on helping um an organization in the uk with a few others um uh an organization in the uk called the moving museum they wanted to redesign their website and me, me and a few other internet artists or media artists got involved in helping them out uh, Joe Hamilton was one of the others, um, and uh, oh, I won't I won't give the whole list of names that, that were involved. But our premise was they wanted to have like an online gallery, and we we're like he, uh, we we're like, well, the web design should also reflect that the media that you're going to show in this gallery is not going to just be images, right? Like that that's not what internet artists create; they create interactive media. So it was really funny. Harm was the you know our friend Harm was like he was the developer, and we we're like we need to find a way to embed to create, cause we wanted to create a gridded like a, like a contemporary page with a grid with different panels. And we were, we wanted each panel to be like an interactive panel, but the artists could like have full control over that panel. And that meant they could like put whatever they wanted into that panel. And the only way to do that Spoiler alert, or not a spoiler alert, but the only way to do that was with an iframe, <laughs> which really, like, that's an inside joke in a way because I, iframe is from the, the iframe tag is from the original internet, the idea of embedding another website in are, a website. Are YouTube
0: embeds still iframes?
1: Uh, YouTube embeds, they you can still choose the iframe option, but yeah, they default Just for to our JavaScript users option.
0: to understand what an embed is, Kind, of, uh, our listeners, sorry.
1: So, yeah, well, there, the, the traditional way to embed was always iframe, but then there are other methods that came along. And what's interesting what a about... a
0: beautiful name, iframe. It's like what an artist does. What do you do? Iframe.
1: <laughs> it's true. It's true. <laughs> it's one of the most beautiful tags that still remains relevant um, because otherwise, to embed, you need to write complicated JavaScript that kind of brings a portion of the application that you're referencing into yeah, another and the, application. The,
0: the, the amount of uh, characters you need gets very large.
1: Yeah. Whereas an iframe actually leverages the original link or hyperlinking context of the internet, which is well, say, if, like it just if, says, like it, here's it a little back portal to frames, window. frames which you we were not yeah.
0: supposed to use. But I always loved frames when I started with uh, web pages. Right. You
1: would lay out a page. You could lay out a page with frames, and it was because they, a frame can. Is usually can't be fluid or couldn't be fluid. So if you resize the page, well, you know what? That's not even true because you could set a thirty-three percent frame.
0: No, and you also had these draggable frames, and people would make a Mondrian composition out of yeah. Out of, and we we'll put that in. Why? Show notes, but,
1: why weren't you supposed to use them?
0: Because it makes it hard to link to things. Because the the oh. link in the, the address bar never changes, even though you click on items in the menu.
1: You just gave me like this hilarious flashback to so when at FreshBooks, when we were switching over to a JavaScript framework, we use Ember. When we were becoming an like an Ember uh, based application, we had these consultants come in and talk to us about like the design designing the application to be respectful of this of the web and the context and the and the thing that they were they insisted on the most was that. We preserve the canonical URL, yeah. uh, for, yeah. but for every interaction, right? Usually, you'll notice when you're like going around the web and you're clicking on buttons. Watch your URL bar, and there will be a hashtag like "clicked left button" or whatever, right? The idea being that like the URL is almost like a little um, little terminal window where you can enter commands. Um, and I found that very funny because they're like, "If you break this principle, you break the internet." Yeah. And I was like, uh, "Okay, yeah, I'm not. I'm pretty. I'm not sure that every user thinks about it it's, that it's way." It's like but.
0: that thing in Back to the Future where you travel back in time, and if you get too close to yourself, the universe implodes.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. What do we have if we don't have the address bar? Yeah. But of course, we know the address bar. That'd be bar a good either.
0: premise for a movie. Like, the internet is is grows and is embedded in our biology but if you insert this one line of code the whole planet will and then batman <laughs> has to find the bad coder like no don't don't hit enter
1: yeah i mean even but the url has been always been the most unfriendly part of the internet for yeah. people right
0: it, it's funny because uh, there was the heartbleed bug and uh, web servers and, uh, and there's always, they always make it sound like it's the end of the world but it seems that still the internet is very fragile
1: in like in even in its uh in, in in its sort of formal composition
0: yeah or even in its backbone like if 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 there's some malware in in unix and it runs 70 percent of the internet then uh, you could you could crash the economy or, and then mm-hmm. it's it's just such a big mess maybe it's a reflection of actually how humans work and then somehow the mess keeps working
1: I think what's interesting about that too is, like, in internet infrastructure now, you know, it's uh, current most uh, companies have either moved or are moving to be in the cloud instead of on a single server. And what require what's required of that is that you design your applications for catastrophic failure constantly because you create machines and destroy them on demand. So you create versions of your you know website essentially. Um, you know, you might create a thousand so that you know that there's, there's a lot of traffic. It's, mm-hmm. it's
0: moving away from uh, clear rules to more organic. Let, <laughs> let's see what happens.
1: It reminds me because yesterday I was having a conversation with one of the one of the people that's creating the standard for LTE, the next for um, G five or like 5G. you know how we're five G. Yeah, why did I say G five? Anyway, for LTE five, whatever's after LTE, and he's part of the body that makes he's like at the head of uh, setting the standards and he started to talk to me and I was just barely keeping up because he was like, we must make it like fluid. And so that the layers of the organism can speak to each other, but they don't have to, they can also, It was like, yeah, I was it getting sounds so more like abstract.
0: A than a scientist.
1: But the way he was talking, I swear to God, it was like, I'm, I'm pretty advanced in my thinking and I did manage to keep up just barely, but like, he's like, this will enable. And it was, it it was half hype talk, hype talk, but the other half was like purely conceptual engineering talk in a way that was like, it was kind of exciting to talk to him, but I was also like, wow. I
0: I had a friend who was studying philosophy and I was like, oh, that sounds interesting. I'll, maybe I'll go to some classes with him. I could just listen in on the, some lectures Mm -hmm. and you go there and, uh, it was linguistics. So it's pretty dry, almost mathematical, and you're like trying to follow, and you can follow for 15 seconds, and then you zone out again, and you're like, oh, and you just you get <laughs> at the limits of your brain capacity. It's very. But clear. I think
1: the issue for me is, you know, if we go back to your original statement, is like the early web. It felt like anyone could pick it up, and I was a child when I picked it up and could and could create yeah, cause content. Yeah, because compared for to
0: coding applications, it was very simple.
1: But now, you know, when I'm talking to this guy <clears throat> about the future of Altir, sometimes it, f- it can feel like, wow, like I would need to first get my PhD before I could get, get involved in yeah, shaping this yeah, thing. Yeah. But I think um, even at
0: the beginning of the web, things like DNS, if you would have to design the system that connects mm-hmm. all the different servers to each other, it was must have been pretty complicated.
1: And I, and I think also for those that weren't like young, um, you know, like privileged kids that had a computer and all the time in the world – it was very intimidating, right? But like not,
0: not only that, but it, the web makes it feel like it's simple. The same way Facebook is easy to use, right? Mm-hmm. Facebook, you upload a photo and all these things, and there are some rules and you can follow them. It's simple. And early HTML was simple, but building a browser was not simple. And then mm-hmm. building an operating system, which the browser runs on, was not simple. So mm-hmm. it, it's just as low level as being part of a social network. It's pretty... It, it, it makes... Because you're editing the code, you feel like, oh, I'm really in control here. But um, especially back in the day, all the browsers render the same thing so differently. And so hmm. you weren't in control at all. Mm-hmm. You, you feel like, oh, the independent web. And uh, I, I had so much to say. But uh,
1: Well, I spent most of my time not doing web. So I started out doing a lot of web stuff as an artist. And then I was like, nah, like I can't really do what I want to do anymore. So I started coding Applications. Yeah, that's um, what
0: I noticed that a lot of new media students, like sometimes I'll do an artist talk and talk to students and then um, I ask them, are you guys interested in the web? And they're like, no, it's too limited.
1: <laughs> right, right. Yeah, and but it's less and less limited. So, I mean, I think what people are pushing for now is stuff like WebVR or WebAssembly where it's basically like, it's just an application that you happen yeah. to type into a but URL. Then,
0: then it's again that problem of expression versus utility where... Uh, you're getting closer and closer, more computing power, you're getting closer to the processor, you you have more JavaScript, it gives you more permissions, or or you get access to the graphics card. Mm -hmm. And then you make these things that just make the smoke comes out of the laptop when you run it.
1: <laughs> I know I've dreamed for like at least a decade that my web, like my artist website, which is out of date, of course, it always is. Everyone's artist website is, but like, I dreamed that it would be, I dreamed that it would be like, you'd enter like a 3D room or something like that. And you'd like, you'd yeah, be like that's a funny, It would look like my work. That was know?
0: one of the early visions of the web that it would be this, uh, uh, like Second Life. Mm-hmm. But I always thought that was a very inefficient model for communicate. Same when I see it's true, Facebook it's inv- investing in VR chat and like just simple text chat. On your f- it's a fine line because now you have the emoji, and maybe that is an efficient way to show what you're up to. And
1: I mean, it's I, for me, it's like not every you know. You would assume that by now in this uh, in this age that we would all be reading choose your adventure choose your own adventure books. But no, we still like a linear book. You know like <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah.
0: That's the funny <laughs> thing with formats. Yeah.
1: Yeah, we don't yeah, we don't all need interactive. Uh, I mean, uh, Brian Eno all just time.
0: made a new album and it's it's a generative album that's available as an app or you can listen to it as a 1-hour recording uh, in your streaming or you can buy it on vinyl or whatever. Well, that's
1: an interesting argument. So uh, this came up actually yesterday in my VR panel yesterday as well, which is like the, the structured narrative or the author's point of view versus um, the multiple point, like the, the communal point of view or the interactive yeah. point of view, which might be like uh, infinite or N points of view yeah. on a, on, a, on an artwork. Well, um, like
0: video game music often is generative and it adapts to whatever's happening in the scene.
1: mm-hmm Yeah, that's true. But the video game, most video games really like struggle because... With structure right this is actually where the tension is probably most obvious to like the average consumer which is like you know video games that are completely structured and they're almost just like a disney park ride versus video games where they're completely open sandbox or they appear to be um and there are no rules and therefore like no motivation or north no north sort of authorial voice but video game always struggles video games always struggle with this by trying to compare themselves to cinema and then they 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 miss the opportunity of of the format itself, which is actually yeah. probably to be closer to sandbox.
0: Yeah. But then but Brian
1: Eno and music, like, sorry, just to take it back to your Brian Eno example, like, don't you just want to listen to what Brian Eno wants us to listen I, I, to? Like, I mean, isn't he the musician?
0: I'm not sure because sometimes I'll play. He has this one album. I think it's called Discrete Music, and it's three different sequences. One is five minutes. One is eight minutes. One is seven minutes. Mm-hmm. And then he loops those, and because they're different lengths, then they'll interact at different points. And the the recording is forty five minutes, and I'll play that on repeat mm. during the day to sort of get into my work. Yeah. And now he made an album, um, Reflections or Reflection, and it's released as an album, but also as an app. But the app is thirty dollars. That's what's holding me back. It's like, mm. but it is interesting. Like I'll play the song on repeat. <laughs> Why not play it? like, as a music machine running all the time, and I, I do understand... Maybe I should just buy it. Yeah, that's an interesting
1: question. Yeah, I think you can afford it. But, like, if uh, <laughs> if you could have... If Brian Eno were dead, and you could buy... It and he could just, like, compose new music for you all the no, time. No,
0: I don't think that's... It, it, it's... it's Generative music is not something that keeps generating <laughs> something completely different. It's, mm. I think is. I, I mean, I make these websites all the time that have a little bit of randomness, but they still, so he's creating a fountain or a waterfall. It's, it's oh, a fountain. That's a nice way of thinking. Yeah, let's about think it. of it as a fountain. So a fountain is, is alive and is never really repeating itself, but it's always doing the same thing. So mm-hmm. yeah. if you
1: like, if you look at it two days in a row, you wouldn't be able to tell the differences between it. But you I mean, you, you
0: like, could calculate what are the odds that all the molecules and the atoms are mm-hmm. in the exact same position. And I think, yeah, yeah.
1: That's
0: kind of a nice way of but, thinking about it that we're drifting off a little bit from the web i want to maybe we d- do a little ad and then get back to yeah. maybe utility and web design and uh,
1: so what is, our, our, what is ad? our ad
0: well first of all someone submitted an ad and it was a bit too long and then he sent in a shorter version it was still too long and we read it before the episode just to think like oh what's a good length so now we wanted to Well, because we should
1: say, we we do want to advertise our listeners' projects. We really do, yeah. We we really do.
0: But the new rule is 100 words. (laughs) The
1: new new frame, the new HTML is 100 words. Yeah, Um, and
0: so try to be succinct, uh, and probably it will communicate more than when you use more words, so it, it will have more impact.
1: Yeah, we can mention that it was Mitchell F. Chan, and you can, you can visit MitchellFChan.com, but I think we're going to ask him to submit a, a proper ad that's under 100 words. Yeah. So, Mitchell, shout out to you for uh, testing the limits of our advertising <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Of. Thank you
0: for addressing this. And then uh, now we can advertise uh, our new product. <laughs> that's right. Well, No, wait, well, let's reason, do a clickbait thing. This product is going to change the way you see the world
1: uh okay yeah is it uh yeah so i i wrote i do we have copy here i wrote like something jokey but like okay i'll just say it wait so, we have hate to buying... sip
0: we have to drink from our oh, cup
1: okay here we go <sighs> oh it
0: tastes better doesn't oh, it yeah, taste that... better than oh yeah
1: the T- tastes so good i mean yeah I, yeah wow what is that
0: i mean i, I think it's the, so uh, <laughs> we're releasing a good point mug but we researched the size and the, the volume and the, the material that it makes for an optimal taste sensation as you drink.
1: Mm, yes. I mean, if you hate buying gifts for the holiday season, but you love good point, why not buy a good point mug? That's, that's really the yeah. point. And uh. it's really the
0: thing when you're sitting there with family or coworkers and they're listening. And then whenever you enjoy what they're saying, you just reach out and point the mug at them and they know you've made a good point.
1: Yeah, I also think like, hey, get it for friends and family. Uh, let them know that you like that you like Good Point, and they don't know about it. But hey, now they have a mug; they have to listen. Yeah, uh, it's basically like who doesn't a like pair a mug deal?
0: <laughs> I mean, it's really the so gift we're for anyone. A <laughs> and, and it's the well, who do, who doesn't non, like a mug? And who doesn't like specific? a lower lower price point. I, I think our, our, our shirts were a bit problematic, but these are completely that's true. any that's walk true. of life. Yeah, Goodpointpodcast.com Yeah, anyone can drink.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Anyone can anyone with like a mouth hole can use these. Um, uh, yeah, we should be sensitive <laughs> to
0: people without arms. And we should create another mug.
1: No, no, you could still use you could still use the mug because you could just like prop it up and Maybe we have it. to you release a straw. a straw with it. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. We'll do that in the future.
1: So anyway, they're available on our website, which is uh, goodpointpodcast.com and we put them uh, we made them available at the cheapest possible price. And I mentioned the holiday season because I'm told that unless your order gets in before December 6th, I can't promise uh, it'll arrive on your doorstep um, by Christmas if you celebrate Christmas or some other holiday.
0: Yeah, there should be a, a specific date in January for belated holiday gifts.
1: Yeah, it's for a, me it it's a, is. It's it, called like... The um, holiday should be called know, like, Sorry, uh, I up. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry I Missed Extended Family... Sorry I missed up. Well, no, because um, Kristen and I, we spend... We rotate families. So like one year we'll spend uh, the holidays with her family and then the other with mine. And so we always end up... New Year's, you know, will be like the... After, you know, if it's Christmas... Well, if we do celebrate Christmas, so after Christmas um, kind of thing. Anyway that's my, my 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 thing. What are you doing are you do you buy, do you buy gifts speaking of websites um, we, we do you do buy it. your gifts online?
0: Um I did. Yeah. I was looking for something I, I can't say because it's a secret santa thing so I can't uh, disclose the gift yet, but I bought uh, it. Online.
1: Okay. I can't disclose the gift it, either. It was funny. I, I bought my the gift would.
0: online and it wasn't exactly <laughs> what I wanted. So, I wanted yeah. to return it but because it was an electronic. They said, Oh, you can't return this. And then I was like, Well, mm-hmm. the, the image was misleading. And they're like, Okay, we'll re- return the, we'll refund you, but you don't have to send it back. You can give it away to someone.
1: Mm. Well, I bring it up because every year they, the sales online at the holiday season break records of the previous year, which is to say that, like, Every year, the people have less and less uh, anxiety about shopping online, um, mm-hmm. and, more, and more and more people do it. And this year, I bought all of my gifts like on Black Friday, actually, which is, <laughs> or no, on a Cyber Monday, which I think yes. was. So you saved some money. I was like. Yeah, you know. yeah. And I bought everyone the same gift. <laughs> I was just like, I was like, why not? Why? Like, wh- this isn't personal. But when your family gets to a certain size, and, and with extended family, my, it's like 15 or 20 you people.
0: Think, I, I feel like the... In, it's so impersonal. But um, I think gifts are kind of problematic. But That's for another episode, because you really buy things if you need something you get it it's more for mm-hmm. children that it makes sense it's like oh i've always wanted this and i don't have money so now my parents give it to me but uh, basically yeah, it, it's I mean, very I, rare that i get a gift and like oh yeah i really need this well that's
1: actually i take a i take a lot of uh, i put a lot of attention and focus into my gifts each year normally like and, because, and I always feel like, ooh, I just really hope people are thinking of me. But then as I've gotten older, I've just been like, oh, this like, generic thing will fit most people. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, think, no one doesn't. I think
0: mugs and socks are always a good gift.
1: Yes. <clears throat> and I have actually a sock project coming up separate from the Good Point well, mug. there you go. Uh, yeah, I'm running out of time to get it out there. But, but.
0: but uh, it, it's interesting... Um, as we talk about web design and talk about standardization, so
1: mm-hmm.
0: that's the power of Amazon. We already did an episode on Amazon, but we can speak about the web design specifically. Mm-hmm. All these big websites, I think a big part of it is the familiarity. You don't have to sign up. You don't have to put your credit card info again. You don't have to put your shipping info again. And, right. and so maybe it's like platforms versus web pages, what I'm trying to talk about.
1: Well, I kind of wanted to get into the commerce commerce part of it because a lot of artist websites or artists, um, you know, typically the function of the website previously has always been like, okay, like, tell me a little bit about your work. Let me see your work or interact with it like we've been talking about. But increasingly, it's possible also for a person to say, like, buy the work. Um, And this puts galleries and relationship with artists and an interesting um kind yeah, of and it doesn't tension. literally
0: have to be a web page with a buy button it's already by showing work on instagram someone be like oh, can i come by your studio i would like to buy that work
1: so i wouldn't be surprised if this year instagram allows you to buy directly from instagram based on uh everything i know about it's yeah. how, how it's tracking stuff And you should expect to see over the next half decade, most of the platforms we use, but also the web technologies. enable When when you're talking
0: about artists, these things, you can already buy them. You just direct message them. That's how it it works already. It's not like they have Mm -hmm. to add the feature.
1: Yeah. I'm just saying, well, yeah, but they'd have to go through like Venmo or now actually you can do it, you know, via Apple iMessage or whatever using Apple pay, but like. Yeah. But you don't do that
0: for something that's 5,000 bucks.
1: Well, I know. So, like, artists are selling smaller things on their websites. I know my gallery, like, put up, like, a Shopify store on their website. I
0: just just think that only works for street artists. And any other artist, the small price things just are more hassle than they
1: hmm. I, like it, from, it works
0: for Obey, the, those t-shirts. That's a big company. But for anyone selling items under 100 bucks and you only sell five of them, it, it, the the effort of setting it up is more than you get out of it.
1: Hmm. But I like the idea. So, I mean, we sell good, good point merchandise. We almost sell it at a loss if you include shipping. Um, and it's not really about the profit. It's about, as you know, like, st- like making sure that it's people fun. feel like that's, part of... Yeah, it's fun. Yeah. They're part of a yeah, community. But it, I've heard it said that like, as an artist as well it's great if you can have a price point that like you can start to build a fan base or collector base from so like if it's a postcard that's fine like people will really hold on to that postcard and then when they can afford a painting or something like that they might they might consider it or Mm -hmm. be more likely to consider it because they've been quote-unquote following you but then
0: we're heading more into territory of pricing and marketplace. Can we talk a little bit about the web design specifically of these shops? Like how Yeah, they- I just
1: want to I wanted to bring it up in in relationship to the guys. It used to be really hard to include shopping in your website, right? And of course, you could be critical and I have been in previous podcasts about how the internet's just become like purely commercial. But if the internet's purely commercial, like why aren't artists participating in it more? That would be my argument. Um, and now it's actually really easy and, and quite possible. Like on our on the GoodPoint website, it's just an embed that we have there for the. And it actually, every time I add, an, it's using Shopify, every time I add like a product to the inventory I call GoodPoint, like the website automatically updates with another product. I can delete products, add them, and everything all just happens automatically. Um, so there, it's really easy, is all I'm saying, to yeah. add yeah, the ability I mean, to Yeah, it used buy. to
0: be incredibly hard to set up a web shop. And- in, in yeah, and expensive, too.
1: Yeah. It was super expensive. Like, you had to be one of the big people. I mean, that's um, where
0: PayPal came along. And then you mm-hmm. you could have a s- store through PayPal. Could you? Yeah, like, you could set I mean, up buttons, like sale buttons. Oh,
1: that's right. Specific
0: yeah. for each product. You could have a, a SKU, like a number for each product. And you could have inventory. So if the product is sold out, it would let the user know. How, why did that become less popular? Well, like, it's, it's, it's one of those things that... Made a lot of sense. And just like RSS, made a lot of sense, but it was too nerdy. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I still right, right. use RSS every day, and it's ad-free, and it's open, and it's uh, it, there's much less distraction. It doesn't have that constant thing of, hey, try this. Did you read this? Did you... It's more uh, focused, the, it's more calm. It's so
1: funny to hear you say this, though. It's like, you know, it's a bit of a contradiction because RSS is really the internet without design, right? Yeah. It's like
0: yeah, yeah. totally strict. But that's maybe also what I wanted to talk about. Like it, When you think of Amazon, you don't think of the design, you think more of, of the content of everything is constantly suggesting and how good mm-hmm. it is at recommendations.
1: Mm. Yeah, yeah, The yeah.
0: design is is very far in the background.
1: But then you're. it's nowhere, Like it's nothing like the GeoCities or MySpace era in that world. No, it's, no, no. It's... It's more like just a pure information pipe, like a fire what, hose, like spitting out.
0: What, Just purely from a design perspective, a visual design, what's your favorite web design? When you think of beautiful web design, does anything come to mind?
1: Like a particular designer?
0: No, like a particular website where you go and it, you just feel happy. And it, uh...
1: but the, I mean, that is a funny point, though. Because what comes I don't to know mind? I... Don't think too much. Okay, all right. What comes to mind?
0: Hmm. You're taking way too long. Come on, what's a website that you love <laughs> visiting for its design? They love,
1: you know what I kind of—I mean, I—I I, I don't. I think like I don't visit very many websites anymore. I often say that I don't visit websites. I visit like
0: you don't. But do you use Gmail in the browser?
1: Yeah. That's no, I website. use Inbox.
0: Yeah, that's a website. I, it's
1: like an app. I think like not really a website.
0: Yeah, I mean. It, I don't know. I don't know why this is a difficult question. But
1: While I was listening, I was like struggling and I ended up thinking of like wired.com. I don't know if you visited yeah. their website, but it's like wired does like a tremendous, makes and a tremendous why, effort.
0: Why is wired a pleasant experience for you?
1: They really focus on hierarchy, typography, and layout um, in a way that like you don't see, like so reading the websites is pleasurable as reading the magazine. You just don't see that very often in, yeah, in yeah. websites.
0: It, it's kind of uh, distraction free
1: hmm Yeah, it's very, well, there's, it's there's, very a, well. there, there's a... My eye floats yeah, across the Yeah, hierarchy
0: is a good one. So it, when you think of Amazon, there's, it seems like there's no hierarchy. It's just kind of mm-hmm. chaotic. Yeah,
1: <laughs> that's right. It's crazy.
0: But at the same it's, time, it, it, it's... Um,
1: Walking to Amazon is just like walking into, like, uh, Walmart. Yeah. And you're just like, whoa, oh, my God. Like, I think they took cues from Walmart and, and vice versa. But, like, you're, you're like, where should I go? Left, right? Up, down? I'm not sure. Like, <laughs> you're just sort of distracted. Yeah, you, it's like a mall.
0: And when you think of something like Gmail, it, because of abstract browsing, I go really deep into uh, comparing. Diff- so I'll go to Yahoo Mail and I'll go to Microsoft Mail. And I'll, I'll look at all those compositions through the abstract browsing lens. So I'm just mm. looking... And every time I make screenshots, the Google stuff just keeps popping out as the most interesting. And just purely the the grid of it.
1: And so what is the pattern with I, Google? I
0: don't know. It's very hard to put to words, but I, I could show you. But it, it, uh, just try the plugin and like compare Yahoo Mail and uh, Windows Mail and uh, mm-hmm. Gmail. And it, you just see... Because the abstract browsing highlights the structures, so it's almost like the the mm-hmm. skeleton of a building, and you just see that the fundamentals of, of it are stronger.
1: But I know that you like really a lot of density. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I work in obviously in web design through FreshBooks on application design, and work very hard to create like on our new version of our app, like for there to be clear hierarchy, for there to be like enough. Room so that you're like breathing room for the eye so that you're not distracted by other so, elements and and for it to be like friendly for touch and all the, and like there's all the, and contrast is right and all these things. And, and is,
0: is most, uh, what part of the traffic is through apps and what part is through the web?
1: Like most is through the web for us. It's because people are working on their laptop and then they, yeah. that's where they
0: sign in and sign out.
1: Yeah, a lot of creative people and, who still do work on their laptops. And
0: do you guys consider making native apps, or is the web fine?
1: We have native apps for Android and and iOS. No, no, but for uh, the
0: for the Mac and for the Windows. We get asked that
1: all the time because people don't. A lot of people don't want to have their browser open, but we. So we have like a Chrome widget that you can install, which is funny that like injects our website into other websites, but. Um, but we but don't like have like a Some people app.
0: might want to have just the menu bar tool to sign in and sign out.
1: No, I know. That's a common request. I would love if that could happen, but it's not a current I mean, I don't know. It might happen. Yeah. Uh, I no, I, sure. I
0: totally understand why that's it's very expensive to have all these different operating systems and security issues and Well, then you have to maintain it. That's yeah. the thing
1: that people don't understand when they're when you whenever you ask for a feature, and this is maybe not a web design topic, but it's like a web app topic whenever a user asks for a feature. Web design? Yeah. Yeah, well, you still have to, like, maintain that feature forever. And so it, everything goes through, like, a sort of a cost analysis yeah. to decide, like, hey, do be, we want to put that in? It could in? be
0: a selling point where it's like, oh, this other service, this competitive FreshBooks has this really neat menu bar tools, so I'll switch to that. and th- And then everybody What's, has to do it.
1: What's funny is that most consumers don't make decisions based on the number of features that they have, they make it based on whether they feel like the product can help them achieve their goal. Now, if their goal has a feature embedded in it like or it's a constraint about, you know, on regarding whether or not they can use the product, very few people would just choose a product cuz it has more features. It's it's a very rare thing actually and a lot of competitors in any category make the mistake of thinking like if i just add more features more people will use my product i mean uh, that's, <laughs> that's just not microsoft true that's what Microsoft always thought <laughs> that's what they did think yeah mm-hmm. and now they and so they have to start from scratch you know obviously can you put a link in the
0: show notes that, that i think there's a few screenshots of like the, the the height of microsoft word being complicated <laughs> i think they slimmed it down but this Crazy screenshots when you open all the toolbars. And-
1: so I work with people who work at Microsoft, and they tell the story about how um, they they actually had a thinner toolbar. Uh, and they had like managed to get it all into menus and stuff. But when they interviewed users about like the features that they were adding in relationship to their purchasing decision, no one knew what they were talking about because it was all hidden away in menus. So then they that's when they introduced the ribbon, and that was like an in- innovation and usage increased because people could see it. So then they got addicted to that, and they just kept adding things. Yeah, it's, like it's more kind of ribbons like a of ribbons. in a,
0: a big airplane yeah. with all the buttons.
1: Yeah, like imagine if you're in an airplane, though, and you had to open a drawer to get to each dial, right? That's, the, <laughs> <laughs> that's why the, yeah. that doesn't always work. So you know?
0: one, one of my favorite websites is Wikipedia, mm-hmm. and it's, it's a very almost Craigslist type of web design. It, mm-hmm. We can talk about Craigslist as well. It's very beautiful. Like Craig yeah and
1: Craig has a very particular point of view on on design, yeah
0: <laughs> 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 and then um, but you, when you're talking about hierarchy of information, I find Wikipedia just to be so fast, and I really care about speed in web design mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. do you would you change Wikipedia or are you happy with it when you visit it?
1: okay. I think it's great there are two things though like I often find myself as a user using the find like trying to find something within it so the the table of contents is is kind of in a good spot right after like the little site sort of like summary um but i often find it's difficult to quickly navigate uh, even with collapsed kind of headers and things like that to find the specific information that i'm looking for can,
0: can you um, make it make it very simple for us to understand like let's say you're looking for the history you're probably looking at the history of feminism so you're yeah, browsing right. like name an author you're looking for and then what are you trying to find
1: and then I'm trying to find like, did they do this or where were they that like this the the high, it's not always consistent. Yeah, but like, let's say you be, go
0: to Madame Curie's uh, research, uh, the, the yeah. scientist you go to her page, and what are you trying? I'm just trying to understand. Like.
1: Yeah, like I'm trying to, un- I might try and understand historical context. So some, I, all I'm trying to say is like some Wikipedia pages are structured it's seemingly in one way, and then the next one is structured a different way um and it, i guess it's because of different categories and they probably fall have different structures for different categories but i I'm, I'm probably always looking for historical context on uh on a particular thing and they don't always have that right so it'll be like and it there'll be different measures of like whether they're filled in or not the other thing that i'm always looking for is more images like they have that one tiny image <laughs> Yeah. Uh, on the right, if you click in, you get a bigger image. But I might want to look at a lot of images. And then when there are images like, embedded within the article, I just find that, that they don't treat images with as much respect as they could. But it's, again, um, maybe
0: a speed decision. or You don't think that's... Yeah,
1: that's probably right. I think it's a great website. I'm just trying to critique it. It's like you on the opposite side. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, uh,
0: yeah.
1: And I know that they're looking for money right now, right? And it's one of the few uh sort of foundations that's pub like that's publicly funded or patron funded on the internet and that doesn't seek a profit.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And um what's another website we could look at and that you,
1: know? you want to just do critiques of websites? Now? Yeah, yeah. I would love to. Yeah. <laughs> uh well, this is the thing. Like what is the website you visit most that's not an app?
0: Um I use RSS, so that's how I get a lot of the content in I rarely, I go to, sometimes I'll, um, articles will come up in my RSS, but it won't show the embed. So I'll go to The Verge or yeah. Recode or websites what, like that.
1: So you never go to, like, the most visited website on the internet, I think, is Reddit.
0: No, I don't go there so much. But I, I visit it a lot for abstract browsing because it has the craziest web design. It's so dense mm-hmm. and weird. It's, it's like if you if an engineer didn't have eyes... I could only read text and never. It, I think Reddit looks like someone has been coding and never previews the website in live in the browser. It's just like no, the code is fine. That's what Reddit looks like. <laughs> but you know what's funny? It, a lot it, of the It looks internet, like you're looking at tags, basically.
1: Okay, I just want to say one thing though, which is like, and this is good. But this Reddit also is a good one like,
0: to talk about because it's it's really beautiful to me. Yeah, there are a lot
1: of these websites though where they're actually just. Um, they're expressions or more complicated expressions of one of the most unsung heroes of the internet and internet design, which is the forum, the web forum, yeah, yeah, which yeah. has been around since the very beginning. And it's the a, a BBS for- was
0: kind of a foundation of the internet. Right? Yeah. Internet. And was this
1: so- social like gathering place, you know, threaded conversation. It, it really is for- the
0: visual, you, you, the visual equivalent of a conversation of, of human contact.
1: That's archived for all of time. For like, how many like you don't outside of the internet? You're not having conversations where that's archived and, and then like, yeah. and then available publicly. Yeah. And so I've always just thought I was like, I, uh, though Reddit conversations are sometimes uh, not politically aligned with my values, <laughs> I do love the idea that these conversations exist. They're like these little time capsules, um, and the people, the the concept of an upvote or downvote, which was popularized, I guess, by Dig and other websites that are now gone. Reddit's like one of the last places where that kind of still exists. There's obviously um, a few others in the coding community, yeah. Uh, but but I do love that this you know that this exists. It's almost no, it, like it, it brings predates... me to
0: tears, and it, it, I find it so beautiful. Just uh, the structure of it is really yeah yeah.
1: So I mean, that's that for me is like if if you added a, a layer of expression on top of it, like imagine it's, it's Reddit. It's almost with a spreadsheet
0: like... version of of human contact. <laughs>
1: right right, yeah, yeah and I, what's the, the only thing that's interesting about it for me in terms of web design is that it was designed once and it really hasn't changed very much like it's one of the f- again like we said the iframe and then like the forum conversation or threaded conversation um those things just have not changed very much in 25 years email obviously we yeah. talked about previously yeah um, when
0: you talk about yeah. websites i visit i visit a lot of clothing websites like i'll, I'll brands that I thought and they all resist going on Amazon so yeah you're like oh I, I need a new winter coat and then it's so much faster to go on the web for half an hour and look at Patagonia or Levi's or whatever jacket you need or Uniqlo or walking to all those stores or you I'll, I'll do the research before I go to the store so then I know I, mm-hmm. I only have to go to three stores instead of ten
1: so you're not visiting any art websites, like art blogs or artist websites? No, I go to galleries. Uh, in particular? And, yeah. That's interesting. But you just said you go to the you know, wouldn't go to the store, but you'd go to the gallery. Yeah, because I hate
0: difference? stores, but I like going to galleries. <laughs>
1: okay. Yeah, that's a that simple. different experience. But, <laughs>
0: but what's interesting with all the, the fashion brands, I think they all use the same back end. It's like Oracle or something. And they all have this thing where you would click on a category, and for a brief moment, the whole... Page is disappears and then appears again. And you'll see the same bug on Levi's or on a high end brand or on Dior or whatever. They all have the same bug. I think they all use the same server. It
1: might not be a bug. It might be um, using data to um, reprice like dynamically. Yeah, yeah, some the, conspiracy. Or, or yeah. do come some kind of split testing for yeah. you. Some conspiracy. That's <laughs> yeah, probably that. Uh, but how, I, mean, how I think often a lot go of Go to
0: InfoWars.
1: <laughs> zero zero times a day <laughs> yeah and
0: facebook is a website you visit
1: i will say this though like i visit in the new york times a lot but via their web app which is just a browser in an app and we haven't talked about this yet but like uh on mobile devices like apple made WebKit, like the browser available as like a as, and a lot as of web apps even another on app yeah but also on the desktop there are different frameworks that allow you to do this too and it's become common like if you use slack on your desktop that's actually just like a web it's basically a safari view. with a
0: different window
1: yeah yeah and i think it's um it's funny because we assume that the web browsers are you know and the browser wars are over and there's just like you know chrome one or whatever um, but actually there are like hundreds of browsers in a way that, that come to you via these like these embedded but it's, experiences it's similar
0: to ios where you can have another browser but it's the same rendering engine
1: yeah, it's just a rendering engine. And that's all a browser really is—is is a rendering engine. To take it all the way back to the HTML uh, early days. Um, just to explain not... for
0: our listeners, a rendering engine is the thing that uh, looks at the code and then decides how to present it to you.
1: Mm-hmm. And I think the company that used to be at the forefront of this was Fo- Mozilla, and it was a you know foundation and like you know very much like publicly minded, and their Firefox is always the fastest browser. And then they like wanted to get into operating systems because they saw this like kind of impending app world that we now live in. But it's funny because now they're, they're they're investing back in uh, the browser again and, so, and claiming to have the fastest browser.
0: And when you when you're talking about New York Times in a web app, a desktop mm-hmm. app, wait, can you explain? Yeah. Uh,
1: it's on your, it's on your York,
0: desktop or on your phone?
1: Well, I don't have the New York Times that way, but on my phone, the New York Times, yeah, it's just a web browser. It's very irritating actually because it's not updated for the iPhone. <laughs> but <laughs> like, it's it's an app. Yeah, but it's also you can tell it's just a browser. Oh, okay, so um, it's kind of slow. Yeah. You mean? Yeah, you can just see it's rendering. Uh, are you? Are you a subscriber? Webpage. Yeah, I subscribe to the New York Times.
0: And not to a Canadian newspaper.
1: No, that's uh, actually probably a good point. But I like I read more American news than I read isn't, Canadian isn't news. Isn't the,
0: the New York Times becoming more and more clickbait? Do you feel that? Is way? it?
1: I read a lot of op-eds that feel oh, okay. that way and then I read and I tweet them, but they're like, they're pretty good at it. Uh, yeah, potentially maybe it is that way. Anyway, I don't know. What's our good point today? Like, what are we trying to get to here? Um,
0: nothing. It's just the we're browsing the web. It's a, a, just, I, oh, I, and Maybe a the point is that the, the fun of browsing is that you don't have a destination.
1: So that's actually something interesting. So browsing comes from the concept that there was a, the, of the hyperlink, right, which is that there was this textual kind of like browsing. You think of browsing. You think of like turning a page kind of thing, or maybe or like you think walking of walking through down. a library or through a bookstore. Walking through yeah, yeah, just like picking up whatever you like, what you, takes your fancy as you walk by. Um, do you feel like the internet still enables that, or does it? No, is I it think more like, too
0: much of it. Yeah, it's it's addictive, so it keeps suggest the the idea of the. The lazy loader, or what do you call it? Where you can just keep scrolling? Yeah, the yeah, lazy loader. Mm-hmm. Uh, the infinite scroll. Infinite scroll, yeah. I think the infinite scroll gives the, the browsing sensation more or recommended articles or uh, your friend recommends this. Or...
1: Well, my argument is always now that we browse with our eyes in these infinite scrolling environments, which is actually a more natural way to browse because there's no apprehension. What happens at the when there's a click is there's the tension of like, will I like what I find on the other side of that click. Yeah. Um, but the infinite scroll and the the visual browse browsing experience is one where it doesn't matter because I can just keep scrolling,
0: right do you do you ever browse artsy to find out about new artists? No <laughs> what do you think of the artsy website?
1: Um, I, I mean, I don't I don't think it's that bad. I usually end up if I do a Google search, that's how I end up at artsy. yeah, because it'll be like, either through SEO, because they've written an article, which they've written, they have like good content, <laughs> uh, or because but I'm looking at a tr- specific artist. they're trying to
0: create a, uh, an overview of all of art, and that you, you could, as an art student or as an enthusiast, or uh, if you're interested and you're like, oh, what's that painting by such and such, and how does it relate to this painting and that work and that performance? It, it, it seems like their goal, the same way Google wants to index all information, they want to index all art.
1: So I just landed on artsy.com and i provide a real-time critique. Yeah. So I, I landed. I started to get interested. There's like browse our collection or something. And the first thing they put up, like, and then two seconds later, a pop-up comes up and it says, artsy, discover and collect art made easy. Enter your full name, email address, create oh, password, those and sign are up. And no, no, yeah. And I'm le- so now I'm going to close that because they're just trying to capture my data before I've even understood the value of their website. <laughs>
0: um. <laughs> I wonder what the success rate is of those pop-ups.
1: I mean, probably not very high. Pop-ups typically have a less than eight percent success rate, like four percent or something of users actually read them. Um, yeah, I'm seeing interesting merging. Because I think
0: Artsy exists because Wikipedia doesn't do the the community is not so interested in art.
1: I mean, I know some good people at Artsy, so, but I've, I'm finding right now I'm very confused by the website. It seems to be doing a lot of different things. Fair so the, preview. But this browse is an interesting point.
0: Uh, like, we've gotten so familiar with our top ten websites that to ask you to go to another website is a learning curve, and people are like. And it, in the beginning of the web, it was assumed that every website has a different navigation, and you knew mm-hmm. that, and they, it, it wouldn't scare you. But I think now it's like, oh, I'm outside of Facebook. Wait, what's this? A hyperlink? What's well, um, that?
1: I mean, I'm like looking at emerging painting next to current auctions and artists to follow, but it doesn't tell me why I would want to do any of these things. Hmm. Why should I follow an artist?
0: Yeah, I don't know.
1: Landscape, category, who cares? Anyway. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah, but I'm having a hard time is figuring out what I should do.
0: One website like, I use a lot is All, where, is where all I Music. Do you ever use that website? No, if you want to read uh, uh, reviews of albums and and it's kind of like IMDb for music, but oh. um, it's a website I keep coming back to, and and I th- I feel like that's kind of what artsy should be, but music has so much, th- the audience is so much bigger that there's more uh, content. You're
1: bringing up a really good point, though. A lot of people do use websites that are review websites. That is oh, yeah. to say, websites we that review the websites of other Yeah <laughs> <laughs> Uh so like I use Rotten Tomatoes a lot, uh, or Pitchfork would be the one I use versus all music. And I'm looking for recommendations on other content or, you know, so the you, contents it, of it, other it's websites. It's
0: nice to have the voice of experts.
1: Yeah. This I I mean, which is why we all uh were so excited about um social networks in the first place, because it allowed us to like ground the internet in the recommendations of our friends but I find now that we don't trust our friends. yet. Well, <laughs> I think the what, problem with friends is that like, they
0: don't actively rate things. So, it, and, and you don't want to share everything you listen to. So it's it's.
1: But a huge portion of the internet is review sites. Yeah. You're, you're, and you're absolutely right. Like um, The other one I, I read is I forgot about, which is Wirecutter, which is, just does ele- like product reviews for electronics. Oh, so that's if you're going to buy a new thing. pair of yeah. headphones.
0: I, I also, it came up a lot in my uh, browsing and review websites. When I do the research for abstract browsing, there's this website called Top Ten Reviews. So you yeah, search yeah, for a printer, and then it, it makes this diagram of the ten printers and a, a, a weird kind of graph, and it makes for very interesting compositions.
1: Well, here's a question. This is like a naive question. Why isn't there like a Top Ten uh, like uh, website for artists? Or why isn't there like wire cutter for artists or something like that? Because it's too subjective? But it would be like, this Jeff Koons sucks, this uh, Marina Abramovic rules. I, I think like the that.
0: scale is so different. The scale of people who are interested in inkjet printers and the scale of people who are interested in performance <laughs> art.
1: <laughs> yeah, but like it would help the audience. It would help yeah, any it, new audience understand, similar, understand like what's good. And what's bad.
0: People tried that. to use uh, Yelp for art critique, and then you could uh, critique a gallery and quickly browse that way. And. Uh,
1: but the thing is, it reminds me very much of music. You know, when you if you get into a new musical genre, it's very disorienting at first. You're like, oh my God, who are any of these new people? Yeah, There's right? thou- thousands of yeah, people exactly I've never heard like of. Yeah, it's exactly like music. It's like, oh, And then you're like, what's the, the first step, thing I should listen to? to? Yeah, you have to research that. <laughs> yeah. But you all, I often will look at reviews and ask friends at that point, be like, who's the first person I should listen to so that I understand yeah. this, right? And so that's what reviews sites help do. even if you get do,
0: deeper, but, you're like, oh, I really love craft work, but where do I go from there?
1: Mm-hmm. But if you were to like visit a website for art, what like Hyperallergics probably like the biggest one, right? For art reviews, or Artforum.com or something. It,
0: it's funny, but I just don't trust art reviews. I just don't trust other people in their opinion on art. But that's maybe because I'm producing art myself, so.
1: Okay, so I'm on hyperallergic.com right now. What music playing plants can teach us about consciousness? Uh, that's one of our <laughs> top stories. Is Leonardo Salvador Monday going to the Louvre? Guess what? Like if I've never heard of, if I'm not, if I'm new to art, this is not helping me at all. They require the emotions of interpretation. So if if you have
0: a website like last.fm, which had this idea of uh, you you type in an artist, it makes a radio station based on that artist and plays different. I I think the Mm -hmm. benefit of music is that it's all the same file format. And and art is...
1: Right, it would be hard. Well, that's what Artsy is trying to do. I mean, Artsy probably should though be more structured around recommendations than just like browse yeah i I think the browsing only makes sense if you know what you're looking for in a way but i could be wrong but i I think it's a similar problem
0: to when museums uh have their mission statement to bring art to people and educate people and it turns out that most people are not interested Um, Mm -hmm. it's such a different premise with music because most people do want to listen to music because, I, I mean, I mentioned
1: Steve Krug earlier on, but he has this book that's seminal in web design called Don't Make Me Think. And, you know, I often use it as like an oxymoronic uh, like title to describe the whole, uh, the downfall of civilization in regards to the internet. But at the same time, what the, the thesis of the book really is, is like, help guide the user toward the you know, motivation that's that, that brought them to your website. And so most websites, like the ones I've been browsing, especially these art ones, fail to guide the user toward a positive experience, they just download a ton of information. But that's
0: also the, the core of art is to be...
1: Uh, unguided. To
0: be difficult.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. But I think that... I, I'm just saying if the, if their intent was to attract a larger audience, which I assume they're all businesses, like Hyperallergic's a business, Artsy's a business, then they should probably focus a little harder on figuring out what people yeah, are trying to it's, achieve. Yeah, but it's
0: weird because let's say you're an elite snobby music store because a general music store doesn't work nowadays like Mm -hmm. tower records doesn't exist but there are specific free jazz vinyl stores or something like that the more they're like hey welcome to our friendly store we're going to show you around and they have a greeter at the it's gonna you you would think that (laughs) would help their business but it's going to turn off the serious listeners so not
1: cool yeah i get it yeah so the hepcats are like, hey, we got a bunch of things here. I don't know. What do you like? I
0: don't know. Get out of here. Know. You're not worthy. Yeah. You're All not coming right. in well, with those shoes.
1: We're probably a little over time. But actually, it's a great segue into this uh, this week's field recording, I think, because um, it's the internet, as, as far as uh, it's presented by art websites, is incredibly chaotic. And we have a field recording that I found quite chaotic and exciting in a way.
0: Yeah, uh, cheerleading.
1: So do you want me to read the we got an email. Now who's this from? Uh doesn't say the field No, it doesn't say in in the way in the way you've pasted it here for me, but one of our listeners found themselves at a national cheerleading competition. It's Samuel Horman. ah Samuel Horman. Uh found themselves at a national cheerleading competition in Victoria, Australia. I'm not sure how they found themselves there. Maybe they're a cheerleader, maybe just really into the aesthetics of cheerleading. Um, it was set in a big, dark hangar with fog in the air and a spotlight illuminating a panel of judges on a raised platform above the stage. Wow. Uh, the audio tracks uh, they dance to are a, ca- a cacophony of pop music and hype sounds from some sort of dystopian radio future. That's what it sounds like. Uh, and you can hear people cheering and cheerleading. Uh, when I listened to it, I was like, it sounded like a, a, an arcade. Like it sounded like a game of, of like Street Fighter. You definitely being hear played yeah, there's a lot going on. Um, it sounds like the internet. I think is another way. Of putting it. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like a web page. Um, but yeah, think, let's listen think, to that. I think
0: we're gonna have to do a part two on web design because there's a lot I still want to talk about. So uh,
1: there's more you want to talk about? I mean, I mean, I, I cut us we, off. We didn't talk uh, about
0: artist websites.
1: But I try to get us there, like yeah, five but, uh, or six but, times. We're we gonna save
0: it, like next year. The we'll, uh, same time next year, the holiday season. It'll
1: just be like it'll be just called artist websites. Yeah, something like, like is that. any. Here's a question for our audience: Is anyone still using Index Exhibit to like create their website? But that was which, more like,
0: for designers than for artists.
1: What? No, artists are using it too. Yeah. Let's. This is a poll. Like, <laughs> send me an email with your Index Exhibit website, and uh, I'll find a way to put it in the show notes next <laughs> Okay. Uh, okay. Okay. Thanks, everyone. Thanks,
0: everyone, for listening. And thank you, Samuel Horman, for your field recording. For
1: your field recording. Keep sending in the field recordings and your ads. We want to let people know about your work. Uh, We love you. Thanks so much.
0: Bye-bye. Bye.